welcome to the first official Yukiki Cast, the podcast hosted by Yukikipedia. Before we start, I would like to thank all of the Yukikipedia patrons for supporting us enough to get this podcast off the ground. It's been really cool and really nice of them. For those of you that don't recognize my voice, I'm OneTed59, the commentator for the SM64 task competitions that ran from 2018 to 2019. So, I know my way around some Mario. Today, however, I'm going to be interviewing another SM64 expert, the one and only Josh Duman. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here, and I'm really excited uh, to to be a guest on the Ukiki cast so early on. The inaugural guest, episode one, Kaze was .5, Kaze was .5. You get to be the first official guest. How does it feel? Yeah, it certainly makes me feel special, you know? Same. Um, I, I think, you know, my association with Ukikipedia may have uh, led stick to think of me as a potential option that's my guess anyways maybe maybe it's all right we'll get there we'll get to you the you yeah we'll get to the Wikipedia part but starting off for viewers listeners who aren't super involved in the technical side of the sm64 community the super mario 64 community and may not recognize you who are you and what do you have to do with mario um so i'm josh deman um i am a quote-unquote SM64 expert, uh, at least according to the ABC, or A-Button Challenge and Tassing Discord. Uh, <laughs> I've been around for a couple years now doing different things within the Mario 64 community, mainly focusing on the technical side of things. Um, when I say technical, I mean code or um, other projects around the way yeah, like super technical uh, stuff. Mario 64 functions. Uh, de- decently. I, 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 I'm not at the level of some of the other guys. Um, well, there's Le- there's levels. You're like level like four, and most people are level one. You're that's probably you're pretty fair. technical. If I I'm still intimidated, so. still inti- pretty intimidated when you get in a conversation with like um, Boot or Tyler or, or or Peter. I'm definitely not on any of their levels, but um, progress has been made, that's which good. Um, certainly feels good. So, what is, what would you say? is your biggest contribution to Super Mario 64. What have you uh, put into the game? What have the game gotten out of you? So, I really liked... A lot of my goal has been trying to have, like in the community, has been to have some level of, um, like, discovery. I want to kind of have some type of thing that I can say, you know... I, I found this. I was the one who pointed this out or noticed this specific thing within the code that allows um, yeah. some kind of tassing or a button challenge or even just general knowledge um, thing. Uh, so I've had... I, I was very fortunate. I've been involved with figuring out like the Vanish cap under the moat crash. Oh, um, yeah. That's a... I, yeah, you can go ahead. That's a pretty lesser-known crash where if you press... What is it? C left? Yeah. C, C left. left on like one of the first frames. If it's not the first frame, it's one of the first frames of entering Vanish Cap onto the moat. Your game will crash. Yeah. If you press it on the... F- you can buffer it or on the first frame, it'll it'll crash. Only C left. And for a long time, no one really knew why. We thought uh, it was camera related, at least the explanations I saw. But it wasn't really easily produced on emulator. Most emulators didn't crash. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I... Uh, Saw someone point out the fact that there was a um, 
a model that didn't actually exist referenced by the elevator spawners in there. And I put two and two together, and I said, hey, what if it's shifting the camera, loading it into range, ro loading this thing that doesn't actually have a model, and it tries to load it, and there's nothing there, and so it just crashes. And um, we looked into it. Isaac Isaac A. helped me out with that and tested it on, on console. Shout-out to Isaac. Some, some ROMs. Yeah, shout-out to Isaac. And uh, sure enough, that was the cause. And so... So for me, it, it was a specific thing. That would be my singular thing where I'm like, oh, I'm most proud of this, even though um, it was more of just noticing a combination of things. But in the end, it doesn't even have any direct contributions. It's just something that was a long mystery. It is a long mystery. Mario 64 that was finally solved. And it is your thing. That is like nothing else has really been similar to that. Hey, the game crashes under these scenarios. How do I do it? Well, here's how it is. And that was your. that is your trick. Congratulations. Yeah. It, it, it makes me feel good, too. I had a little hand in the Wiggler thing, too, but I didn't make that discovery. I just pointed out the connection between Bad Boots Discovery and... Um, what do you mean crash. by the Wiggler thing for the viewers? Um, oh, yeah. So uh, there is a unreleased uh, disk drive version of the game. Whoa. Oh, there's one copy of it known in the world. Someone found it at, a, I think, a pawn shop in Japan. It's a pretty good find. You know? Yeah, pretty good find. Certainly a good good buy. I I don't think he spent all that much money for it, which is crazy. They didn't know what they had. Yeah, definitely. Um, he he dumped it online, and um, when I say dumped, he he took the ROM and he supplied it online, and he noted that the only thing that he saw in the game that was different was it would crash when you'd enter um, Wiggler's Cave, and uh, no one really knew why. Um, we didn't necessarily have the best emulation because it was the only copy of yeah, an yeah. unreleased version of the console. And um, and so it was just this big thing for a really long time of, you know, who knows? They changed something and now it crashes. Um, but Bad Boot noticed that um, there was a certain... Uh, the, the Wiggler references his speed mm -hmm. by looking at values, like a list of values, and checking a value based on his health. So it would... Look at the third value if he has three health, or two. The second value if he has two health, or one. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. So on. And um, on the first frame, he has negative thirty-two thousand or so health. That's not that much health. No, it's not health. Not much health at all. It's 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 no health. Um, less than no health, yeah, actually. So, less than no health. You're right. So they get really lucky on the uh, U.S. and Japanese version, and it just happens to work out. Um, it just it's just luck. Um, but on the disk drive version, it reads um, a value that doesn't actually... It's not a valid value. It's its a—it's like a fake value. It's a, they're called denorms, the specific ah, one yeah. that it reads. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not, a, it's not a number. It tries to read it, and it crashes. And I just... I, I felt very confident because it fit all of the conditions of what we knew about the crash. So even though we were never able to directly reproduce the crash or do testing with it, we did figure it out, although yeah. it took a little while to actually determine that it was the cause yeah it's kind of hard to test on a one-of-a-kind game yeah but when you don't have access to it especially to yeah. copy it over and whatnot so Dang. um that that was another thing but again that wasn't one that i directly discovered it was more just noticing the the pattern and pointing out hey exactly this could be the thing you know we mm -hmm. need to look into this exactly okay so there's that's your biggest accomplishment so far i would say so how did you get to that point? How did you get into SM64? Elaborate is what I put down after that. <laughs> so I um, originally growing up, um, Mario 64 came out like 
a month after I was born, two months after I was born. I was born in August of 1996. Mm -hmm. Um, So, growing up, it was certainly a game that, like, I knew of. I had a Nintendo 64, and um, I had played it occasionally, but we didn't actually have a copy. My uncle had a copy. Ah, okay. And so, besides occasionally borrowing it, or when we eventually got it, like, years later, um, I didn't really play growing up. I did play Super Mario 64 DS, um, (laughs) much to the uh, disappointment of maybe the Discord, but um, that was my experience with it growing up primarily. I I don't even think until recently I'd ever beaten the game. Really? um, Except for SM64 DS, which I 100%ed. Huh. Um, I mean, honestly, I think SM64 DS gets a slightly bad rap, but sorry, continue. I I agree. I had a fine time with it. You know, I understand that it's different. Uh, I didn't understand at the time, like... I, you know, I thought it was just yeah. SM64. When you're young, on, you're just like, yes. oh man, Mario game. I can play it on the go. Um, but uh, it it was it was that was my introduction to it. However, the thing that really got me into the game when I was older and actually like interested in it was what I feel like is the same for a lot of people in the Discord, uh, in the in, through Wikipedia and different Discords of that are related to Mario is, um, is was Panin's videos. Same. Um, That's the same for me. Yeah, so so I first heard of Pan and Coic, uh, twenty Pan and Coic twenty twelve. In case someone hasn't heard of him, <laughs> um, although I, if you haven't, you should definitely listen to him. He's pretty well probably known in the he's community. has some pretty good videos. Um, I first saw him on Reddit. It, it was, and th- this I didn't put two and two together until fairly recently that, that this is what I saw. Although I should have, I remember seeing about someone getting the impossible coin in Mario 64. Ah, uh, yeah, that one really blew up. It did. I think that was the first thing that like made mm-hmm. people really go like, wow, look at this guy. Well, impossible. Um, wow. How did he do it? And I remember watching it and going like, huh, that's kind of cool. And then that was like it. Um, and I mean, at the time, it was really, really cool. Now it's a little like, okay, it's it's neat. It's really cool that he did it. But like, there's so much it's more mainly now. moving around. Yeah. He's done so many things now that are just like, wow. Um, but at the time, you know, it was cool. And then I saw the, um, Watch for Rolling Rocks video. That's how a lot of people got into it. (laughs) Yeah, go figure. So, um, I really got into it. I, I've seen, at that point, you know, I watched all of his videos. I found a second channel, watched all those videos. Um, I found different people related to it, watched all of Tyler's videos. Um, I had seen most of your videos, Really? You know, People still point. don't know that I have a YouTube channel sometimes. I'm like, what? Well, I would notice, um, like, people in the comments or anyone he referenced or people that those people referenced um, because it was really cool to me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was actually a big goal of mine to somehow get involved. I thought it would be, like, the coolest thing ever because it was so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, fast forward, I, I got interested in... Um, I, I was still interested in SM64. I was following what Panna was doing. Um, and, uh, I started to, I, I was in another community of SM64 related stuff more on the RTA side, ah, more okay. on the speedrunning side. And one day, um, Equanimity, he's a, um, at least he was, I, I haven't talked with him or done much with him in a while. He, he is or was a Super Mario Odyssey speedrunner who's mm-hmm. at like a very top level. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he mentioned one day about seeing something in the discord. I was like, there's a discord for that? He's like, yeah, and I'm like, could I get an invite? <laughs> um, and I've been in the community for a year and a half, maybe, and I had never heard of the Discord. Um, 
And yeah. so got in through that, and it was just great. I came in like a week before the Bowser and the Fire Sea platform raising. Oh, man. That that was a story and a half. I remember that. Yeah, I, I was very, I'm very happy that I, I got in right around then because it was a very exciting time to be in the Discord. Yeah, so you got in and immediately a big event happened, so it piqued your interest and held it. Dang, that yeah. was really yeah. convenient timing. Um, and I'm happy to be here. Like, it's, it honestly, it, it's, it might sound silly, but it was a very big goal of mine to become involved within the community. Huh. Uh, and it was just, I, you know, like, how do you even do that? Um, I thought you had to do it privately. I didn't realize there was an active community to just join and talk with people about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's really only opened up in the past couple of years, ever since, like, the yeah. start of 2017 when the Discord started. Before that, it was very insular. You had to know people to know people to know people just to get around. But now... Skype and Facebook and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. Oh, man. Fun times. Uh, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to have more people coming in because, um, you know, like uh, there's obviously downsides that people could think about where you're like, well, you know, not everyone necessarily knows much about it although that can turn into someone who knows stuff about it yeah um or you know maybe you get trolls or things like that but you can get so many people who just would not have been able to find the community otherwise mm-hmm. who would not have been able to come to contribute um had it not been open yeah uh, like myself ds273 ds was the guy um, i was gonna bring up <laughs> i, I yeah. remember having to go find him and invite him from some random i had in time il discord that was fun that was a fun yeah. time and so you end up finding these people who um, probably wouldn't have come into the community had it not been open. Um, and that helps the community grow. Um, it does a lot in that kind of way, in my opinion, anyways. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's de- it definitely has. It was basically dead for a long time before uh, the Discord started. So I'm glad I could help with that yeah. a bit. It's a, a major role. You played a major role in that, certainly. I run the Discord, for those of you that don't get that. All right. Anyways, let's move on to the next question. The next question is, I've been hearing a lot about the recent project to decompile SM64. So here's an easy question. What is that? How does it work? What can, what can they do with it? Uh, easy question. Easy really? question. Very easy question. Um, so I think to understand what a decomp or decompile is, um, you need to understand at least a little bit about code. Um, so... Uh, code, uh, mm-hmm. on, on a very basic level, for anyone who's never used it, um, it's just kind of different math or um, mechanical things that happened one right after another to a set of values, and it produces stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it produces Mario 64 in this case. Um, it makes the lights you... on the TV flicker in certain ways. Yeah. Um, when you write in a modern age, when you write, you write in generally higher languages. Um, higher languages are things that might look a lot like a math equation or might look a lot like English. You know, if this happens, do this. You know? Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, if this is true, do this. Otherwise, do this. You know, like, and so the code is almost readable. You you may not be super familiar with it, but if you'd sit down and look at some coding languages, you might understand them. That's a higher coding language. Mm-hmm. Um, a lower coding language um, would be something like that of MIPS assembly, which is what the um, Nintendo 64 would actually read of a ROM. So it's those are very, very basic, um, hard to understand 
at least for me and most people. For, if there's um, someone who code. says MIPS assembly is not like hard to understand, they are lying to themselves. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's you're probably right. Um, and so, uh, that's the kind of language that you need. These these very base just add five, go here, add six, go here. No comments, no names, nothing like that. That's what is, um, it's called compiled from the higher language that was originally written. So mm-hmm. it's it's changed into that. It's changed into then, the ones and zeros, basically. Yeah. And so then we have that, and it's reversing it. Um, and so I have a little bit more of an abstract example, actually, um, okay. that may be easier for people, too. I, I wanted to kind of get that out there, but... Um, It'd be like, say you had a um, a book series that you were really into. Yeah. Um, you know, and you, you've read the first six books, and the author um, wrote a seven book, seventh book, but decided that they weren't going to release it. Okay. But someone they knew acquired a copy of that seventh book, and they're Dutch, so they <laughs> took the book, I ran like it through Google Dutch Translate. There. Yeah, Dutch. Um Panacoic reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And so they translated it through Google Translate into Dutch. Now, you really want to read this book. So you have a few options. You could learn Dutch. Um, Dutch would, you know, it's obviously a lot to, to go and learn something like this. And, you know, it's yeah. through Google Translate, so it might not all make complete sense. But you could get a good idea. Mm-hmm. Of what the book was, if you learned Dutch, that that'd be the equivalent of learning the Mist Assembly. Um, there's other options though. You could um, run it th- back through Google Translate and put it back in English, and you'll get something. Um, yeah, you'd get something. You would lose a lot of meaning. Um, there would be things that are just confusing. Some parts may not be right. Um, you know, and it would not be like a copy of the original book you would have something that would be fairly equivalent to that original book but it would definitely not be the same um that would be the equivalent of using like an automatic decompiler yeah 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 um so like a program that just tries to get as close to the source code as possible without any interaction it just looks at it and just tries to say this is it yeah likewise you could attempt to bring it back to your native language by translating it yourself or having someone else translate it for you. Um, this might be more accurate than putting it back through Google Translate. Um, however, it's still going to have issues just due to the inherent nature of putting it through Google Translate once. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to put errors into the code. So the only way to really know the original would be to go back into Google Translate, put different things that are similar to what you have as your output text and keep running different things <laughs> until eventually you get the same output of the copy that's in Dutch. So you could just keep trying random English sentences and words until eventually you get the same thing as what was output. Yeah. That would be as similar as you could get. And that is effectively what was done. They they took the output and ran it through a thing like that and kept comparing it until eventually they had the same uh input that would produce the output through the original setup they had. Wow, that seems like it would take a long time and a lot of work from a lot of people. Yeah, it, it did. Uh, 30 people or so, you know, three years. Um, and it's not easy. It's still not done. Um, 
And people take for granted, too, how fortunate it is that Mario 64 had this done. To my knowledge, mm-hmm. um, the number Mario 64 is the largest scope uh, project yeah, yeah. ever to happen. Really? Um, th- there was, like, uh, this type of thing, whether it be, like, in any community, because most communities don't have a reason to go for a matching decompilation, which is getting back the full thing where you can run it back through. Yeah, the original um, source code, the original text that would have been translated into Dutch. Yeah. So so most projects don't need that. They just need a little snippet here or there or whatever else. And so even a lot of the corporate cases, they, don't, they, they wouldn't go to that type of level. It becomes very difficult to... Um, to actually do something yeah. that to that level. One of the one of the big miracles too that is easily forgotten about is um, even the original process of figuring out what the devs did to produce the output code. You have to oh, find yeah. the original compiler they used, which are not always public, and the original settings they used on that compiler. And that process took, to my understanding, several months. It cost a decent amount of money. Um, you know, it was it was not a small amount of work to even get to the point of being able to start the project. Um, and so. I think it's opened up some eyes within other communities where they now realize that a Wait. project of this scope is possible. We can do this uh, because, too. Yeah. The only only other ones prior to to this, to my knowledge, I think there was one like Doom or Halo or some other game like that. Some yeah, uh, that think... was done differently. Yeah, there's definitely been some Doom ones, although Doom might have been released. I think. Yeah, that's that's possible. Um, and then there's the Pret repos, Pret being the Pokemon um, yeah. decompilations. But those are a lot smaller in scope uh, than the SM64 one. SM64 one is definitely the largest in terms of Nintendo-themed, and it's one of the only that I know of anyways, after looking at a decent amount for just generally. Especially for ones that are like fully matching, too, because there have been attempts yes. in like games that are like, okay, we can get some of the source code back, maybe interpret it, but to be able to re- like compile it again back to the original yeah. file, that's, that's ridiculous. There's, that just hasn't been done to this level before. It's, it's very rare. It's very difficult. And again, it's, it's, it's a good thing to say now, like, look at what, what's been done, look at where we're at, and you know, this is possible. Exactly. So, how did you actually get involved with Decomp? How did that start? Um, so I first started reading about it in the um, Discord server, and I was you know, very excited seeing like all the stuff going on, and I wanted to see Decomp. I wanted to try and look at this code. I, at this point, I'd only had one semester of C++ coding, and even then it wasn't a full semester. It was like half a semester of C++ coding. Ouch. And I, in my mind, I was like, I can just look at this code and I can find glitches. I want to see this. Um, and so I messaged Badboot and, you know, was talking to him about it and was like, you know, could I get access to this? And he granted me access and then brought me into the Discord. It was actually like a month before I had access to the Discord. <laughs> not maybe a month, maybe like a week or so where I was looking at the code, couldn't get in the Discord. And it was way above my level. Um, I had oh, never yeah. used C before, which is what it's written in. Um, and so it, it was just a gradual process. Um, it took a lot of babying to... Um, yeah, a lot have of people... other people help me get through it all. Exactly. Um, but but I would certainly think that at this point it's worth it because I, I have had um, legitimate contributions on that side of the thing where it's now uh, I feel like I'm no longer such a burden. I'm more 
a benefit finally to the project. There you go. That's that's one of the best feelings. You're like, wait, I'm helping now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so speaking of helping, what would you say to anyone that would be interesting in getting involved with Decomp? How can they contribute? How can they help? How can they become the help that you are? Um, so at this point, um, the SM64 uh, repository is almost 100% matching. There's six functions left. So the actual decompil- decompilation process is pretty much done. Um, except for maybe if we go work on Shindu, uh, the Japanese, later, the second Japanese release, or... If we the Rumble go, Pack edition. Yeah, or some of the very, very difficult functions that are left. Um, they're, they're beyond my level. Uh, they're, they're very difficult to work on. They're very long functions. Um, and so most of what's left is just labeling code. Um, labeling code is, is, is easier. Uh, if you can read a coding language, chances are, if you can read a higher coding language like yeah, C yeah. or C++. It's um, so weird to hear are, C called a higher programming level language. But sorry, keep going. I know. It, it, compared to assembly, though, it is. That is true. That is true. Um, and so it, just going through and looking at things that aren't labeled and just saying, you know, this is what this does. This is a proper name for it. Um, but even at even then, there's a lot of things to do that isn't even just labeling code. Even if you don't know code, um, one of the later bigger um, like things that were done within the repo, mm-hmm. um, someone came in. I don't want to necessarily say any names because there of course, some of risk. course, yeah, you got it. Um, uh, it's the only PR he pull request he did, which is put putting code out there for review to be brought into the repo. Was just naming textures. They just went through and named like hundreds of textures within the game. Oh, jeez! And it might seem really minor. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's not a small amount of work. And it, you like they felt they're like, well, I, all I did was name textures. But it ends up being super nice because whenever I'm working with a code, I no longer need to go and actually look at the texture and figure out what I'm working like, with. Like, where is this? I can just look at the name. What and is the name this? is Sorry, a good name. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Like, what is this? And it's right there now for me. Um. So, so naming things like naming audio files, naming models, um, you know, that stuff still needs done. There's still a lot of work in that area that really there's not been any progress on in recent memory. So even that kind of stuff, if, if you don't know code, there, there is opportunities there to work on those kinds of things, to just name things so people can actually um, know what they're, what they're looking at. Yeah, make it easier for everyone to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I certainly think that most people could contribute uh, either SM64 or one of the other projects that are now That's within true. the scope. If you're more into the decompilation efforts, there are, they are working on other projects, although they might not be as easy as SM64 was. Yeah, so, that is certainly true. Anyways, let's move on past the decomp and say, what can decomp be used for? Hmm. I can think of at least one thing. One of the biggest uh, ROM hacks in recent memory what is Super Mario 64 randomizer? And how um, does that relate to you? Okay, so the SM64 randomizer, uh, it came out at a time when randomizers were like particularly big. Um, uh, to my knowledge, the first randomizers I think of are Ocarina of Time randomizers or Pokemon randomizers, where they just you know scramble up where stuff is, you know where mm-hmm. you get the items you need to progress in, in those games. Um, I had thought about making my own randomizer, and I couldn't really see how you could do it with Mario 64, because there's only, like, caps. You know, you could could change where you get the caps. Okay, that's something. Um, And I couldn't 
my mind wasn't really able to think of, you know, how could you really do this in a way that would work for, for anything else with the Mario 64? It'd be so limited. Um, but Arthur Tilly uh, came up with this idea of randomizing the locations of everything within the level. So stars are no longer where you'd expect them to be. Enemies are no longer where you expect them to be. Coins yeah. are all over the place. Everything's all um, over the place. Yeah. When you jump into a painting, you don't know what painting you're gonna, what level you're gonna enter. It could be any level. Um, and so he wrote this this hack in in decomp and, and compiled it. And I don't think he expected how big it was gonna blow up, um, because it is certainly like in my mind, anyways, the most major vanilla hack that's out there. Oh yeah, for it, sure. Uh, all over the time, all all over the place, where people are are actually just still running it, it's still active in that kind of way. Um, so I I got in by helping to solve various bugs. I didn't actually have access to the code at first. I just uh, looked at the vanilla code and I figured out what the issue from the base game would have been, mm-hmm. and recommended changes changes to to Arthur Tilly. Um, and eventually he he gave me access to the repo and I did a variety of changes to help improve different things within the game. Dang. That seems, that seems like a lot of work. Not even knowing the actual code they're using, but just having to look at the games, the original games code, just to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly an interesting process because a lot of bugs that we knew from the base game would come out in the the actual hack, but it might not be obvious that yeah, you know, it was a a base game issue uh, showing up in that way. So on that topic, in terms of randomizer, what is the weirdest bug fix that you have done for a randomizer? What is the oh. stupidest glitch, the weirdest one that make, really made you scratch your head? So uh, there's there's certainly been a couple. Um, I mentioned the vanish cap onto the moat crash. Yeah. Uh, earlier, um, so that one that one appeared in the randomizer as a significant issue. The reason being. Um, so in the base game, you can only crash the game if you happen to change what's rendered by looking to the left and bringing it into the render range. Only um, in the first, like, frames in the level's loading, yeah, right? Yeah, it has to be the first frame, so it's, like, hard to. However, we randomize where Mario spawns in the level. Oh, no. So if Mario spawns somewhere that is facing the elevators, the game will crash. And so we had really common... Hey, crashes. I can't get into Vantage Cap under the moat. What's going on, Dez? Yeah, it would just the gate, and it wasn't even obvious necessarily that that was the level because people would just crash and say I crashed loading a level. So we had to figure out the level, figure out it was Vantage Cap, and it was at that point that it became apparent that we had to figure out why it was crashing. We had to solve the Vantage Cap under the moat crash in order to fix our game. Um, we happened to have actually fixed it by accident on the dev build because <laughs> Arth saw that there was a model without um that didn't actually exist and he said that, you know this is causing graphical errors on my on my because he was doing testing out new graphical systems he's huh. like this is causing errors and he just changed it and fixed the model so that was certainly one of the weirder ones we accidentally fixed the crash before even realizing that we did but it was at one point you know like a significant thing we had to work on um the other thing that sticks out to me was um so in in the well I, I'll explain the issue okay. maybe people who don't know of it can see if they uh if they know the glitch that that causes it we had this issue 
um, we would change where stars would want to spawn. Yeah. You know, star would spawn at a general location, and it would try and like if it was from an object, like defeating King Babam. Yeah, yeah. It would fly to its goal location. Oh, I think I might know what this one is. Yeah, uh, you probably do. And so we had this issue where the goal location was not in bounds. Most, like everything else would spawn in bounds, but the goal location would spawn yep. out of bounds, and the the star would just it would it just, just fly disappear. out, and it would be unreachable. You can't get it. And so we really thought about we were focused on the code, seeing you know why was it not staying within bounds until eventually it dawned on me that it's it's the same glitch that causes star bounds cancel in mm-hmm. in Mario sixty four. Um, stars overshoot their goal position by, by one, one frame. frame just because the devs. Uh, did their math wrong? They counted, uh, like it's an off by one error basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it flies for one frame too many, and because the distances were so large, it was overshooting and just going out of bounds and things like that. The change was super. The fix was super easy. We changed like a thirty to a twenty-nine, <laughs> but um, it wasn't necessarily. It was it was weird to see that glitch that wasn't even necessarily super known about prior mm-hmm. like it was it was known but it wasn't a thing that had a lot of attention to until yeah. the star bounce cancel it it was a major issue in the rom i i um, actually i actually have a video uh on that from like four years ago just saying um that is i and i do remember that i do remember you talking about the star overshoot i think of the star bounce cancel because prior to that we knew it overshot but we didn't necessarily know it had ramifications with it yeah 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 uh, those ramifications for people who don't know being um, if you spawn a star high enough above its goal position, when it overshoots, it'll actually overshoot downwards by so much it never bounces. Um, it saves quite a bit of time if you can... Yeah. Yeah. It, it could save like a second or so. Which is um, a lot for a task. Three second? Dang, yeah. I'll take that any day. If, if you want to see it happen in-game, um, it's actually very easy to do uh, RTA um, by just spawning the Klepto star. The uh, Klepto yeah. star usually won't, won't bounce um, because it's spawning so high up. If you watch speedruns, you actually won't notice because usually the pyramid's in the way. <laughs> the pyramid's in the way, the, yeah. So you won't even see it. But um, that's the easiest star in game to just see it and go like, "Oh, hey, I, I now know what he's talking about." Um, hmm. So that was that, that was definitely the oddest thing. I remember being very excited when I figured that out because it was not it was not obvious. Yeah, you're just like, "Why are the stars out of bounds? What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, it was very confusing. Um, it took a little while too. It, it was not it was not abundantly apparent. All right, so here's the next question. Next mm-hmm. question. What was it like when Randomizer was chosen to be showcased to GDQ? How did that feel? So that felt amazing. Because it's like you realize whenever it's being shown at GDQ that um, they have acknowledged that the game is significant enough to want to show off in that kind of way. Um, and so you know, by that point, I'd, ha- I'd had s- some substantial... Um, work I'd put into the game in different systems. And uh, actually, we've been at two GDQ events, too. We oh, were really? at GDQ X. Yeah, uh, ah, Prism yeah, yeah, did a right. speed run you're at right. GDQ X. And then the big race between uh, Simply Cheese and Punkation. Not Cheese. No, it was Simply Chrism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so- I'm sorry, Chrism and um, Punkation at the most recent GDQ. Chrism actually won. Um, yeah, he's been and, really grinding it, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, I think it's... I think... He isn't really a runner who does just like a bunch of 
speedruns over and over and over of a game. He he he's very good at a variety of games and very good at speedruns of a variety of games, but I think to keep it fresh to his audience, you know, he likes the variety. But mm-hmm. randomizers are really good for that because you don't know what's going to come up. You need to improvise. You need to you know, go along. So I think it allows him to play Mario 64, which is a game he seems to enjoy whereas he didn't just want to play you know, 70 star or one star over exactly. and over and over again. Um, I say one star because I'm pretty sure he has those are categories he's done well in, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Some of the very low star categories. Hmm. Dang. So, that felt great. Yeah, it felt amazing. Uh, it, it felt great to see it there, great to watch it. Um, just, just great to feel that kind of, like, it's noticed by this much, yeah. it being out there. Dang, there's hundreds of thousands of people watching the game that I helped make. Yeah, really. Um, it's cool, because there are people who see it and don't even know like they'll i i actually have had a couple situations where someone was talking about it they didn't even realize that hey i I had a major hand in it yeah which is which is really cool really cool dang that that must be nice (laughs) must be nice it's exciting that's certainly exciting and hopefully it doesn't stop hopefully we finally push out a new update and um get all the hype back bring some more attention to it again yeah and i feel like i feel like it'll be inevitable with that whenever we get the next major update out that uh it will. It just takes a little bit of time. It's yeah, harder to have as much focus, and a lot of the issues get harder the longer you uh, you work on the project because you put off the easy things, or like you do you the do easy the things easy first, things you first, put off yeah. the hard things. Yeah. Um. So, but it, it it is gradually having progress made for the next update. Good. Make sure uh, make sure to let me know when the next one is. I got to get all the Twitch viewers first. Um, <laughs> I certainly will. Thanks. All right. So that was the randomizer section of questions I have. Let's see. On to the next one. What is the host of this podcast, Wikipedia, and how does that work? So, Wikipedia uh, is a um, it's it's a Wikipedia kind of themed Mario sixty four. It, it's a Mario themed Wikipedia. So that's maybe the, the correct way to say it. Yeah. Um, with the ultimate goal of just having a centralization of all the information about Mario 64, things about speedruns, things about tasks, things mm-hmm. about ROM hacking, um, and just kind of taking all of these other sources that had information, just putting it there so one person can say, you know, like, I want to know this thing, and they can check out the website, and it's there. Oh, um, it's this. It's right here on Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah, and it's um, certainly a lot of work, uh, but over time, you know, there's certainly been more and more areas that have come into focus, and certain things that are very helpful on the site. Um, so it is still very much a work in progress, but, um, you know, I, I do have very good feelings about it long-term because other things have come out of it like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've worked on RTA guides, working with the RTA community. Yeah, the entire RTA guides. guide is hosted on there, right? Yep. That's a pretty the, big uh, deal. That's a lot of traffic. It is. It, it is significant. And it's it's nice to have that centralization. So someone can go from reading about a, a certain star to seeing how... You know, it, they would run it in a speed run to um, maybe the TAS world records for the yeah um, for that specific star. So it, it, it it's it's it, I think it's very nice to have that all in one place. Someone knows where they need to go to just find out anything about that specific thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very useful. It's been useful for me too. I know a lot about Super Mario 64, but sometimes I just look on there and be like, whoa, that's something that, that even I don't know. So it's it's just great to learn a lot about it. Yeah, and so. Again, it's, it's certainly still a, a work in progress, but um, I, I would 
I, I currently plan on revisiting it whenever um, decomp is a little more uh, yeah, in a stable finished state and bringing back a lot of what we learned from decomp into Wikipedia and helping to polish a lot of things. Yeah, just finally, let alone labeling decomp, just labeling Wikipedia off of what's labeled in decomp. Basically. I, I, w I have an ultimate goal. I, I have done some pages where I have taken the code from decomp and just written it as common language on the Wikipedia. So there's a lot of action pages hmm. uh, that go through all the things that will happen on an action. And it's literally just me going through decomp saying, okay, what is this? What happens here? What happens here? What happens here? And um, trying to understand it that way. So I, I would like to ultimately hopefully do that around different mechanics within the game that you know someone who doesn't know code could go and look on Wikipedia and just see in common English, how how stuff works. Yeah, and that, that's very helpful because you get people that might not be that good at looking at code, but are really good at noticing, like, hey, this and this are related, stuff like that, that you may not get just from looking at the uh, C code, just overviews yeah. of stuff. And I, I think that's where it could, you know, things could be really nice to help to help people to help make this stuff more accessible for people who mm -hmm. who would otherwise be inaccessible so they wouldn't be able to help out on things or... Um, truly understand how things work. Um, yeah, exactly. So, here's the one that seems to always follow after I ask, how, what is this? How did you get involved with Wikipedia? Um, so, I have been involved with uh, wiki projects for a long amount of time. Back whenever I was in, I think it was third grade, I got really active on a Scribblenauts wiki. Oh, man. <laughs> My goal of the Scribblenauts wiki, I played the game and I was like, wow, you know, uh, for people who don't know, Scribblenauts is a game where you, um, like, there's a certain goal you have to do within the level, and it uh, allows you to type in any word into the game, it'll spawn the specific things. And there's a lot of words. You type in, there's a lot of words, like thousands of words, and then you can use the various items you typed in to try and do the level. Um, and so I found it interesting because a lot of different items had different traits within the game. And so I, I was like, well, I wonder if anyone has gone through and given full lists of all the items that fit. Mm -hmm. And to go figure, no one's done that massive project. <laughs> no one's only um, described, like, thousands and thousands of things? I wonder why. Yeah, so me in my third grade age decided, well, I'll be that guy. And so I found the, the wiki, and I have a few thousand edits on it. Oh, man. Um, Side chicken, in case you hear me, still think about you occasionally. It'd be cool to hang out sometime. Um, he was the owner uh, <laughs> whenever I was on there. And so, you know, I did a variety of edits through there. And even though we never ended up getting anywhere, as new games came out, we decided to also do the extra games. Oh, no. <laughs> so not only did we have the few thousand words in the original game, but we also had... Like tens of thousands in the later yeah, games. Yeah, tens of thousands from later games. And the words weren't always the same between the games. So you had to differentiate the words sometimes and say, well, here's the original game and here's the second game. And now there's like six games. Oh, geez. I, I have not gone back. <laughs> I, I, there's no way you could actually... Um, what what would have needed done is we should have just automated it. But I, I mean, I had no idea how to get involved with that kind of project where I'd automate... Yeah, you were in third grade. That kind like... of stuff. Yeah. So, um, but uh, it was very nice for me because it introduced me to different wiki practices and how to write things. And so I was involved with like a couple other ones throughout a lot of Team Fortress 2 wiki stuff. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I came in here and someone talked about starting a wiki and I was like, I think that'd be really, really cool and I would certainly help out with it. And so eventually uh, Stick, Stickman, um, was Stick like, Man. well, I'll host this. Yeah, shout out to Stickman. And um, when they did, it seemed like a place that I could contribute immediately being 
new to the community and not necessarily having a lot of the other skills to help out in other places. Um, yeah, and by, just by helping throughout, you helping with that, you'd grok a lot of the stuff um, just through like exposure to it. Like, oh, hey, yeah. I can look at this stuff another person's done and get that. Yeah, and because that's, that's a lot of the issue. The information to learn a lot of this stuff is out there. It's just not always easy to find. It's on a random um, Discord post like two and a half years yes. ago. <laughs> it's in a random Google Doc that explains literally just hyperspeed punching. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, you learn through that and you learn through documenting it. And it helps with other people. Um, that was one of the first things I did was learning how hyperspeed punching worked and hmm. documenting a lot of it. And uh, last week, I went to the Kikipedia page that I wrote back there as one of my very first things and linked it for Fifth Dispense working on... Um, on the uh, ABC uh, I don't remember 70 what project Star Test, right? I think I think it was ABC 70, yeah. And I was like, you know, here's the information on the hyperspeed punching there. And it it was just it's it's on hand and it's very easy just to be like, you know, this is it. So yeah. it, it's it's nice in that way. Once you gain that knowledge, even if you don't always remember it exactly, you if you record it somewhere, you always have somewhere to go back and revisit it and say, you know, that's right, here's this information. Yeah, and sometimes uh, if you find yourself being like, uh, how does that work again? You can just be like, oh yeah. Me from like two years ago knew everything about it. Here's what it was. Yeah, yeah, and so um, that's the kind of stuff that I like. That's the kind of stuff that like is my eventual goal to just be able to like someone asks a question, you're like, hey, here you go, just read this. Read this, like the, all the information's right here. That's perfect. Well, Wiki's perfect, uh, perfect for that. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So here's a question about Wikipedia. What is your favorite Wikipedia article? So my favorite Wikipedia article is definitely um, Nim wrote a page uh, documenting all the differences between the Japanese version of Mario 64 and the United or in the U.S. version. All of them. Jeez. All of them. He went through decomp because we have the full code now, and he mm-hmm. could just say, you know, look at the U.S. version, look at the Japanese version. You know, what what is what is different here and he recorded all of them um, not all of them have explanations because some of the code uh, is still very unlabeled raw yeah some of the audio stuff particularly it's very difficult to understand exactly what they were changing with the audio code mm-hmm. um, although it needs revisited now to update some of the stuff that's missing um, and going on there it's very interesting to see some of the processes the devs went through and things they thought they needed to change some of them aren't necessarily apparent why they changed them um, and so I like that. I like seeing what was done in between when the devs were working on things. I remember one of the most obscure ones, and I was actually thinking about this recently, like, I still wonder why. I want to say the Mother Penguin in Cool hmm. Cool Mountain, the, not the Mother Penguin, the uh, Racing Penguin, it has a different shadow. Really? Um, oh, yeah, it's they like they slightly it. smaller, right? I They changed it, the type of it. I, I don't even know that it looks that different it might be smaller i haven't i haven't looked at it necessarily i looked at it a while ago i don't remember what it i didn't notice anything where i was like wow this is a massive issue on the Mm -hmm. japanese version that they needed to fix but (laughs) they changed it i remember looking at the article and seeing that i just went why what yeah what were they thinking like what (laughs) and and so when he did that he also discovered some other very interesting things i think when you fail the race against the racing penguin in ccm It plays the Koopa noise or the Babom noise or it something. It plays the Koopa the Quick noise. Yeah. I never knew that. I never and knew that either. He he caught that and he said, you know, look, it makes me wonder if um the penguin is just a copy Koopa and the Quick pasted copy. Koopa the Quick, yeah. Yeah, probably. Um and so 
what he did that he discovered a lot of things like that where it's like wow i didn't even know that was a difference i didn't even know that that was something between the versions of the games so i think that page is really cool just from a trying to understand how the game works understanding the thought process of the devs yeah just to be like oh let's change this because of this bug etc yeah that's a really i've that's actually one of my favorite pages too so i'm glad to hear that we both enjoy that yeah i think it's great and you know what now that we support pal the pal version of the game oh man um a, not, a, a second one needs done. I think that page should be changed into Just US a... changes, and we need a PAL changes, because there's certainly a lot of changes on PAL, although they're a lot less exciting than the US version. Yeah, they're, like, slower, uh, has other languages. Uh... There is a there's a, there's a couple. Um, really? Like what? Ch- uh, well, ledge climbing is different. Oh, yeah, ledge climbing. That's a That one makes no sense. They, um... I think it's you can't ledge climb if you're holding A. Yep. And it's um, like which is why? So random. That Yeah, what? and so. they they also changed the escape code for Chukyas. In what Whenever you've been held with a Chukya and you try to escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you... That code is different. Huh. I think they added the Z button in, if I remember oh, right. Oh, to make it easier to get out. Huh. Which is just like why? The, it, that seems so odd to me because most people don't even know that you can actually yeah, escape. I don't, I don't know if it's like documented Chukia. like anywhere in game that you can actually escape from Chuckyas if you um, mash the control stick away from neutral and back to neutral or yeah, mash A. I, I had never heard of it until um, Panda made the video on it, mm-hmm. and so so when we were going through and finding the changes, uh, a lot of it's always oh, kind of hard sometimes to tell if something's a legitimate change or not. Yeah. The fact they changed that just makes me feel like, wow, I, I didn't know. Um, and so, although those are probably two of the more interesting changes, uh, I, I have a feeling we will find a couple more interesting ones if we would uh, end up supporting Shindu. There's certainly more to do there. Oh, yeah. You can uh, be like, why the heck did they change the audio on this? What are you doing, devs? Yeah. Why did they fix the bully out of bounds glitch? That one's pretty obscure. Really? They fixed that? Huh. Yeah. Because uh, that, that's actually an issue potentially for bully battery if we use out of bounds. Oh, no. Oh. Now it won't sync on Shindo. <laughs> okay, I have a correction. I, okay. I, 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 I'm looking at decomp, and I just noticed something, so I'm going to clarify this. The penguin shadow is not a U.S.-Japanese difference. Okay. It is a Japanese-slash-U.S. and PAL difference. Ah, okay. That makes sense. They, they changed it from four corners on the shadow to nine corners on the shadow. Really? So they just made it more circular for some reason? And I don't even... Th- I think it display like it displays a circular, but they like try and like figure out where the vertices should be on the surface to huh. like make it look flat. So maybe the shadow was like glitching off near the edges of the track or something, and they were like, well, you know, we can fix that a little bit. Maybe. I, I don't... It's, it's really odd. Um... So I, I guess there is a couple things. A couple things you just don't expect it, and certainly no one has found them. Huh. Yeah, I definitely. There's always going to be some change that's like, oh, yeah, there's a random change here, and we have no idea what it does. But yeah, the one that brings to mind with me is the fix in U.S. for King bob just walking when you're talking with him. Yeah. I never knew about that one. Oh, that one was really obscure. That one was like, <laughs> someone was like, hey, King bob moving when I'm talking to him. It was a random Japanese that, Twitter yeah. post. And, and we're like, well, look at that. And we were like, wait a second. There's just the difference here <laughs> from JP to US. Huh. Weird. And I, I think that's some of the cool stuff about the Wikipedia pages. Where if, now that we have decomp uh, public and you know we have that, you can go and look and say, like, wow, I see now what this does. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. So, 
yeah, I, I think it's really cool. It is definitely really cool. So, you were the person who wrote a majority of the Wikipedia news articles that I enjoyed so much. So, what was the process on those? And when can we expect to see some more of those? Because I really want to get some news. You know what I'm saying? So, so Wikipedia news is complicated. Okay. Um, the original goal with Wikipedia news was we wanted on the front page of Wikipedia recent discoveries and things that happened to be on the front page. Um, and so we were spitballing different ideas about you know what what we could do. And I remember saying. Originally, I was like, I will, I would update just a bullet points of very quick things that have happened within the community, mm-hmm. um, you know, that could go on the front page. And there was a lot of push for full articles to be written. Um, I remember saying, I will not commit to this. I don't want to write full <laughs> articles. Guess what happened? And I was like, you know, you guys can do that if you want, but don't expect me to write these articles. Like, I... I, I I don't have interest in that. Um, and so then fast forward, I've, I wrote about half of the articles. Um, <laughs> and so uh, the, the thing with the Wikipedia news is I don't enjoy writing them. I really Ouch. don't. Oh no. Um, I, 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 I enjoy whenever I get into it, writing a Wikipedia stuff. It's, it's more like technical writing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and as an engineering major, you know, like that's, that's more my speed, but Wikipedia news is, significantly more like pop writing yeah and so it takes me a lot longer uh, each one of those would take usually one whole evening oh, I, would, I would spend hours and hours on it because it's not just writing the main article which is going to take a decent amount of research you, you have to also go and find other things that have happened within mm-hmm. the communities the various communities i i have uh it was the original reason why i joined a bunch of communities because i will go and i will check the sm64 speedrunning discord for all of their latest um, shoutouts for people. Uh, I would check the speedrunning or speedruns.com website and look at all of the recent records uh, that were changed since the last one. Yeah. Um, and just be like, hey, I, would, I can use this one. <laughs> yeah. I would go to the ROM hacking community and view the latest big hacks that have come out. Um, I would try and keep track of any comps that have co- happened. So I would go to speed comp and task comp and um, the A button comp and. Um, the oh. one year comp, not really. That one hasn't, <laughs> yeah, hasn't happened one, yet. Yeah, still, still, still work in progress. Um, <laughs> and I would try and do all those, and then I would look in our Discord and view all the videos. And so it, the time adds ends up adding up very quickly, where it's just like you write it, you have to proofread it, you have to get other people to proofread it, you have to go through and yeah, it just blows get up. a conglomeration of all the stuff that it takes so much time. And I, there, it's not that I'm not spending time within different various Mario sixty four community projects. I just don't have the energy to write them. Yeah. Um, I can definitely empathize so, with that. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of what's what's happened with with I with the Wikipedia news. I I don't have the issue or I mean I don't have the interest to be the only one who's writing them. That is very and, fair. You never tried to be like, "Oh yeah, I'll write them." You're just like, "Oh, I mean, I guess I'll write them." I guess. I didn't want it to be something that would get started by Wikipedia and then just kind of die off. Uh, which is what kind of what I saw that it might happen. But um, I just I don't have enough time to be the only one writing for it. That's fair. Hey, if anyone wants to write Wikipedia news, uh, come join the Wikipedia Discord, and we'll get in touch. Yeah, we have. I would certainly welcome more authors. If anyone who is a current author wants to write an article, I encourage you to. Um, you know, Mini Corey wrote one recently um, about some of the changes in the RTA community, 
and I certainly welcome that kind of stuff too. Uh, it's not meant to be a TAS-only focus. This is a any community related to Mario 64 focus. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, you know, we're always accepting people to come out and help. And same thing with the Wikipedia. Wikipedia can always use more uh, editors. And chances are, if you can write in clear English, then you can probably contribute in some fashion. Dang. Yeah, make sure to contribute to you, Wikipedia. Yeah, contribute to your Wikipedia. Say it again. Contribute sure to Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, that was the Wikipedia section. Let's move on to the rapid fire section. Okay. Real quick, only a couple of questions. So here we go. Dun, 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 dun. What is your favorite bug glitch exploit in Super Mario 64? Okay. So this one's difficult. I'd probably say cloning. Cloning. Um, Why is that? Cloning is just cool in the fact that it's manipulation of the memory slots. There isn't a lot of glitches like that in Mario 64. There's only like a couple. Um, and so the fact that, you know, there's something so prominent within the game that you can see it and it has unintended consequences, it opens up a lot of other glitches that you wouldn't expect oh, yeah, or other things to be possible. Things like um, transport cloning, um, getting to certain places where you shouldn't, getting objects where they shouldn't be. Um, Just throwing objects across the map. Yeah. Extreme spawning displacement. Um, and so it ends up being more than just the glitch itself. It opens up potential other glitches elsewhere. Um, yeah, those are... Things like yeah, things like the loading zone crash that DS pulled off by cloning a teleporter um, and then you know, <laughs> using it above the loading zone in wet-dry world and crashing the game that way. Like That's crazy to me. I like that a lot. Yeah, you can do um, so much stuff with it. You can even do it, yeah. like, not even glitches. Like, what is it? Collecting um, the secret star in Bob on Battlefield, where you normally would have to fly it. You can do that without yeah. getting, collecting any coins um, or using any, like, cannons. Co- uh, coinless, capless, cannonless. And it's just completely ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and, and Panon, a lot of those are Panon's videos, credit to him, too. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's where I first heard about it. It opens up that kind of stuff. And. I think it's very, very cool that it it does that because it is very critical in my mind anyways for a lot of, for a variety of different, um, like, like true, like, complicated setups in Mario 64 yeah. have some involvement with cloning, and I think that's, I think it's neat. Like the, uh, the, for example, the secret aquarium entrance in Shifting Sandland, yeah. that uses a ton of random cloned things that previously we'd be like, what? Yeah, and... And it's that's not the focus of it. That's just a thing that happens, but it's critical for it's it. It's just Things a tool. Like in, in the A button challenge, you know, the star dance clip, or in TikTok clock, the star dance clip to get up the cogs, you know, that's important. And it's a really cool moment. You know, you mm-hmm. set the, the flame there, and there's the whole complicated session of walking up, and then you clip up this massive thing after stepping on the clock hand, and you burn, and then you grab the star, and you're up there. But that wouldn't be possible with cloning. That's all cloning. Yeah. Um, even if I don't think about it that way. And so I, I like that it opens up so many doors. Even if that is a really common answer, uh, I, I think it has to be that for me. That's, I mean, it's definitely a fair answer. It's, in my opinion, like one of the coolest glitches in the game. Okay. Yeah. So next rapid-fire question. Um, what is your favorite task competition run? I have in my notes here, do not take I don't know for an answer. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so that is certainly a hard question. Um. Something that pops out to me recently is Dennis's run for the last task. 
Oh yeah, that yeah, one. That's that was just amazing. that one's ridiculous. In that run, for those of you that haven't seen that task competition, you should check out my YouTube. I have them all up there. Um, he made a like essentially a custom slideshow after the run was finished, just explaining things in the ROM of the game. That one was ridiculous, and that is like so much work into it. Yeah, <laughs> it was so cool. And uh, go figure, me being a more like. I really like the coding of the game, things like that. I, I would pick something, you know, the the only one that would have something so major. Like yeah, that. exactly. I, I think from a more traditional point of view, uh, he read the sign. He read the sign. He read the that sign. That moment was so good in that wet-dry world task. Oh, man, that um, was when Plush um, actually, the task was get from the great in wet-dry world all the way to the... Um, Shocking arrow lifts star yeah. just as fast as possible. There was no other thing. So <laughs> Plush got speed on the slope and actually used the sign to turn around and just jump straight to the star. It didn't win. It wasn't particularly close, I think. It was still amazing, though, because you would never yeah. think of something like that happening. It was so exciting. At the moment, like, even, yeah, it was just, it, <laughs> it, it was really exciting to watch. That entire task was really great. Oh, that was a, that was one of my favorite tasks because... It's simple, but there's so much to it. You could do so many yeah. different options. Like, almost everyone did something different. Yeah. And I, I like a lot of bingo tasks, too. I like seeing different people's processes, although I know that's those are hard to route and whatnot. Yeah, those um, are much more routing-focused. Be like, can you find the best route instead of optimization? Those are good. Uh, but uh, certainly, I think the, plush, the plushes he read the sign task is probably the one that sticks out to me the most in terms of like traditional um, task comp. That's that's um, definitely I could definitely understand that. I, the one I was thinking was um, Cinnable's old route in Sifting Sandland, the bonus one I played at the end of the stream. I don't know yeah. if you've seen that one. I have, I have. That's a classic. <laughs> so many great moments. I I am certain that we will see a return to Task Comp at some point in the future here. Oh yeah. Although I think it's very healthy to take to a break. Step yes. Back <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you know, we see. Deva's been working on that. Um, I say Deva. Deva and MK Dasher primarily have been working on that um, BLJ-less one-star. Yeah. And we haven't had a big project like that get a lot of steam from from what I think of as like very top-tier tasters in, in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Basically, since uh, 120 got... Since before 120 got stuck on... Um... <laughs> Bob Bomb Battlefield 100 Coins. And and to put it in perspective, that's pretty much been the entire time I've been in the community. Oh man. You were you were... I have I've never seen like to that degree in my mind anyways that I can think of off the top of my head like a major speed task of the of the of vanilla yeah. bomb. Huh. Um and so definitely that's where like I, I think that it's it's really cool in that way, and I, I I'm excited. It'll be great when Tascom comes back, and hopefully we'll see returns some of the people who stepped away for a little bit. That's true. I think um, a lot of people are getting burned out. I was fine, but a lot of people are getting yeah. burned out. But I am excited for that to come back eventually. Yeah, I think it's good to do variety and not force yourself to work on projects you don't have interest in. Otherwise, you'll burn yourself out. That's true. That is very true. All right. So next rapid fire question. <laughs> These are not very good rapid fire questions. Okay. What? Sorry. I'm, it, I'm, no, no, no. I'm it's okay. This is great. Don't compl don't apologize for talking on a podcast. That's the whole point of That's the podcast. True. That is true. There's just more to listen to. There's exactly. More to so, this is a good one. What is your favorite Mario meme? 
it, he has no idea. I, He's I, I have no idea. Um, I quickly navigate to the Discord and look through all the emails. <laughs> Quick, I have to find a meme. To me. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I've never been into Dory as much as some other people have. You should try it. It's pretty great. I, I don't... I, I just don't know that I can. I was in the Church of Dory for a little bit. <laughs> it wasn't for me. Um, That's okay. Uh, <sighs> you stumped? I I am having a very hard time. It's um, not a memer, ladies well, and gentlemen. Well, let me ask you, what is your favorite? Maybe I'm forgetting... My favorite? Well, I mean, I'd have to say Nice VSC at the end. I mean, nice VSC, but that's, that's true. That's not even like a real answer. That's just because I did it. That's my meme. Still pretty good. That is true. Still pretty good. That is pretty good. Okay. Um, I'll just go with H. How can you go wrong with H? That's also mine. H. (laughs) It is yours. It works though. It works. That's classic. Okay. Next one. What is your favorite Pan and Coic 2012 YouTube video? Um, at first, I thought you were asking Pan and Coic from the year 2012, and it's like, God, I don't know no, that by God, year. No, no, no. Oh, God. I'm going to have to go look. <laughs> no, um, no, no. Don't do that. Uh, You'll end up see- watching uh, Ice Bully off the platform, Pannon's best video. <laughs> you should watch that, actually. Ones. That one's has not aged Watch some well. of the deleted ones. Oh, those are There's good. There's like two deleted ones that we have. <laughs> Pannon probably wouldn't like me mentioning that. Yeah, um, make sure not to watch them at. I won't tell you where. <laughs> I, I haven't seen anyone else link it. Um, but anyways, what is what so, is your favorite? So I I think disappointing observations probably. Ironically, really. Explain um, that one to me. So, part of the thing with disappointing observations is a number of them have actually ended up becoming helpful. Hmm. And other things about like there there's small things we're so close we're just like oh god it's so close so like uh, Cogmissa. The, the strat that mm-hmm. use a Cogmas alignment to get up. If I remember right, I think that was in the Disappointing Observations video. Uh, maybe. I, it ha- it's been a while since I've watched that one, so I don't really have a great recollection, but I can think it was in there. I, I think there's just like a couple things like that where it's just like he points out something where it, it's disappointing, and to an extent, you know, it is. It doesn't work out, but it shows A, strats that didn't make it in, and B, um... You know, like old, a whole bunch of old issues that they were trying to solve and think of solutions to. I just opened up the video. One of them, uh, he's talking about the big boo merry-go-round. Well, that one's been solved. Yeah. Um. You know, things with lethal lava land and Wiggler and stuff like that. And a lot of those things in disappointing, uh, the disappointing observations are still some of the best texts that we have. Uh, to do things, Wiggler hyperspeed in that video. I love Wiggler. It's ironically like the, one of the only things we have in the Wiggler cave. You know, we we we've prob- probably rolled it out, but um, it's cool in that way. Oh yeah, it's cool to see a lot of like smaller strats that have the possibility to be worked on. I think. Yeah. Instead yeah, of like, oh, here's this finished video. It's like, man, I'm having trouble with this. And then you could be like, wait a second, you could have you tried this stuff yeah. like that. Strats aren't always dead. DS solved that um, the pendulum box. Oh yeah, that strat is true. that was thought to be dead for a really long time. That's um, that's the coolest ABC star, and I won't have anyone tell me otherwise. Stop on the Thwomp is really cool. It's gotten to a crazy point now. Um, I certainly think that it's it's my favorite. Other people might say Secret Aquarium, but I think there's more going. Well, on the, the star of Secret Aquarium is so lame, 
But well, that's true. I'm talking of the whole strategy. <laughs> the entrance, the way to get into the... To save one button is ridiculous. But the actual star is kind of kind of lame. You just press B a lot. It's... Yeah, so... I, that That's my favorite painted video, certainly. That's... that I... I I definitely understand that. I think that's a good choice. Okay. So, on to a different topic. Um, how you were involved... We talked about uh, GDQ a while back, and you mentioned Cheese, yeah. that he didn't actually run Super Mario 64 Randomizer, uh, the project you worked so hard on. Yes. But he did help commentate something at a GDQ. Uh, he commentated yeah. the one key task at GDQ... How, and you were one of the people helping him with commentary. How did that... What happened with that? So, um... We got the one key task to be shown at GDQ, and we were very excited about it. Uh, however, there was, like, no one able to necessarily commentate it. We weren't... It wasn't apparent that anyone from the directly from the community would be commentating it. Somehow, Zhang Yan... Or, Zhang Yan... Was it really Zhang? Uh, was the person who was deemed the go-between to contact Cheese about commentating the task. Huh. And so Cheese DM'd, or uh, Zhang DM'd Cheese. I remember Cheese getting it. I was watching his stream when he got Zhang's message. Um, and that was the original connection between that. Then Bad Boot got in there, and I, I asked Bad Boot if I could sit in I didn't plan on explaining so much because at that point I didn't really understand everything that went into the yeah, pass. Yeah. Um, although by the end of it, I ended up understanding. Um, so I went in there and I, I helped serve as an extra person in that group. We ended up bringing in Tyler Keene too. To um, really get the technical stuff. Because he never actually yeah. explained a lot of the stuff he did in one key. He never actually finished yeah. that write-up. Listening to him talk about it, is just, he has such good stories on that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's insane, like... Yeah, he just mentions things off the cuff. Like he's like, "Yeah, I I made a full simulator of the game in Excel, in Excel because yeah. I needed to simulate two seconds of the task, and I I didn't <laughs> want to do it by hand." Um, and you're like, "What? How is that nowhere? How have I never heard of this? How is that Excel document not public? How did you have the patience to do that?" I don't um, know. I was there when he did that, and I have no idea. It... Yeah, that's and so having him in there, I mean, was amazing because you just learn automatically. Um, but listening to Bad Boot and Tyler talk also taught me a lot. And I, I did some minor things that I could, where I could help out here or there. I made some diagrams and just worked with him. And he was very eager to learn. Um, he certainly realized the scope of the project. Um, but by the end of it, I think he had a very solid understanding, much more than he had going into it. Oh, of course. Um, which I think is cool. You know, we, we potentially helped him have just a better understanding of the game he's working with in general. Um, Parallel universes were no longer just a meme to him. They were... Actual things that could be used like, in Tasses. Yeah. And, an, and he has an idea of how they work. Um, so it, it was... He ended up being like a perfect person in terms of that kind of stuff and willing to learn his dedication to that kind of thing. Yeah, um, it ended up being so great. It was it was great working with him and working with Boot and Tyler and Zhang. And... Um, Dang. And, you know, getting to see that at GDQ... And the reception from that, yeah, because it was it was it went great. I remember a lot of people being like, "Wow, that was crazy." Yeah, I, I think it was really cool. It was it was it was definitely a, a very cool moment in my book, anyways. I agree. I it, I wish I could have been there to see it live, but you Me you too. win some, you lose some. It's all right. 
I've got to go time to, or got, I got to find a time to get to GDQ so I can watch some of that stuff live. Just come to. You SU. go to most of them, right? I've been to the past couple. I'm planning on going to the next couple. Maybe we can meet up there, have a uh, Mario 64 meetup at one of these. Uh, that would be one fun. Of those events. I met Arcoms at um, 2018. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that I think I have a video. Or was that last year? I don't know. They all blend together beyond a certain point. Um, humble. Bro. So, I I would. <laughs> I mean, it's it's an exciting event. I'd like to go. I was originally really hoping to go to the one where randomizer was going to be at. I just there was physically no way I could make it work. Ouch. Um, you know, I thought that'd be really cool. I thought maybe, you know, I'd even be able to help them with some of the mm-hmm. calming and whatnot. But it just it it didn't work out. And that would have been a lot to try and, you know, squeeze my way into that. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, you could just but, be like, hey, I'm a dev. Uh, let me on the couch. Yeah, that 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 was, but it, it you know, school exists. That is also um, true, sadly. So, and I'm already going to be missing some school for other things, so it just it doesn't work out where I could do that. Plus, it costs money to go. That is so. true. It does cost quite a bit of change. <laughs> Ouch. My poor wallet. <laughs> yeah, I know that feel. Okay, so that was the GDQ question. Now it's on to the part, the screenshot quotes, where I read funny quotes that you have said. Okay, Back to you, and you tell me what was going on in this moment. Okay. All right, you ready? This is yeah, ready. from last Wednesday at 1.22 p.m. From Josh Duman. Hi, it's me, Pannon. Explain. Oh, okay. So, um, at that time, there was uh, someone had just joined the Discord and was very excited to be in the Discord with Pannon. Which, to be fair, I've been in the exact same situation, um, so I understand what they're going through. But it is funny when they're like, "Is Pan in here?" Is Pan in oh, here? I missed Pan in, oh, and Pan so I, I named myself Pancake Twenty Twenty um, <laughs> as a spoof on Pan and Coic Twenty Twelve, and I was memeing about, "Oh, hey, you know, I'm Panin. although doing it as clear as I could that I was not Pan, and I, I didn't want to be impersonating him, um, even if I was joking about being Panin. Um, you don't want to break any rules, so, right? Don't want to break any rules. Don't want to break rule 13. Um, <laughs> Is that the number? So, I, I just pulled it up. I didn't know that offhand. Oh, I feel like I should know that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, okay, next so, one. Yeah. Next one. Okay. I once thought a bike seat was called a boner. I don't know why. Oh, okay. So after a bike so, ride, I told my friend something along the lines of, this boner is too hard, it's hurting my butt. Please explain. <laughs> it's it's pretty much what it sounds like. Um, I was probably thirteen, fourteen, twelve, somewhere in that zone, like a preteen, young teen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I got the idea that that was the name. <laughs> I cannot tell you, <laughs> but I do remember that full exchange is permanently ingrained, and he was dying because he knew what it was um and so to him it was the funniest thing ever what i just said especially at that age you know um where everything's funny he explained to me my my mistake um (laughs) and so now it's just something i can look back on and really laugh about because god i was so wrong um so sorry true story it is a true story i promise you sure I don't know if I 100% believe you, but I'll take your word for it. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's skip these next couple. 
Um, June 18th, 2019. Yeah. I weigh 125 libraries. I'm massive. Please explain. Libraries. Oh, God. Okay, the only thing I can think of is I typed LBS into my phone, and it fixed that. Either that, or I would think that maybe someone else made the same mistake and I was mocking it. I don't know. Either I or someone else meant to say pounds and did libraries instead, because LBS, you know. Um, And that's definitely the thing, because that's 125 pounds. I mean, that that is correct. (laughs) Um, So that's got to be the issue. I don't remember that conversation at all. Um, I don't know where someone found that. I did a a deep dive before. I did a deep dive. You were the one to find that? Yeah, I found that one. I, I certainly do not weigh the weight of 125 libraries. <laughs> that's good. Um, that's a lot of that's a lot of books. Yeah, I, I don't even think I'm one library. Most uh, people I haven't checked. It has so. to be a very small library <laughs> and a fairly large person. That is also true. All right, next one. When I was young, I managed to learn how to hiccup on command. Yeah. Please explain. How did it's this come? How? What? So, I um. I can burp on command. Some people can do that. I You just kind of swallow air and then burp mm-hmm. back up. And if I do it in rapid enough succession, I can actually start hiccuping. Huh. And so uh, my brother and I would hold these like little competitions where we would try and do something to see if the other person could do it. And uh, I could usually trump him with the fact that I could hiccup on command. Um, however, it's not necessarily a fun skill. <laughs> yeah, you just end up because... like, wait, I'm just hiccuping now. Yeah, now I'm hiccuping. I don't have the skill to stop it. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, you just you end up hiccuping. So, oh, great. You know, I did this thing that no one wants wants to have. But um, I can do it on command. Yeah. So, it, it is it is technically something I can do, and it's it's kind of interesting. Um, but uh, maybe not in a good way. That's, that's definitely how I would put it. That's for sure. Um, All right. And on to this last one. This is a quote from another person in February 18th, almost a, or over a full year from this point. If pa- this is a quote, if Panning can use okay. SM64 assets to recreate the paintings, why didn't he just use the paintings? Then you said, I fucking hate you, Kays. Please explain. It's true. So it's obviously right. He, he makes a ridiculously strong point. It is just an asset in the game. That is true. Like, uh, that, and it, it makes me, I have to respond with that. I hate him for it because it's such a good point and it makes me angry because I enjoyed the video. I enjoyed the premise of it. And now I'm just angry because there's such a large hole in, in the entire premise of it. Painting. And like you can get around it where you can say, well, I wanted to recreate them not using the things. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Sorry. I just um, thought that was a funny one. No, it certainly is funny. Um, I, I, I don't actually hate Kays. I, I, I don't, I don't want to start all, any rumors. We all understand but, that. Um, no, yeah, it was just... I, I, I understand where I was coming from in that moment. Good. All right, on to some trivia questions. What is your favorite game, and why is it Endless Ocean 2 on the Wii? Okay, so uh, I, I have a little bit of hyperbole when I talk about my favorite games. Because it's, it's very difficult often to point to a single one. Except for Endless uh, Ocean 2 on the Wii, of course. 
Endless Ocean 2 on the Wii is probably my favorite game, like, on a Nintendo console in recent times. Um, I like, I, like, I really like, used, I used to like Banjo-Tooie, and I really like some recent ones, like Breath of the Wild and mm-hmm. Odyssey, but um, Endless Ocean 2, I have probably thousands of hours in. Oh, wow. Um, the game, for, I would assume most people haven't heard of it, because it's not a super common game like people talk about. You're basically just in an ocean, swimming around, there's fish, what, you can pet the fish, and you get like information about the fish when you pet them. Hmm. You can find treasures in the ocean where you're at. The endless ocean. Um, the endless ocean. It's not actually endless. It's a misnomer. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but you 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 go around and you just interact with fish, and there's like a like a really bad storyline to the game. No, no. But there's different areas you explore through the storyline, and there's a lot of achievements and a lot of things to do within the game. And I I'm very big on games where it's like. I'm a completionist. Ah, there you go. So there's a lot of stuff to do in the game to check off, and the game was engaging to me enough that I have I have put a lot of time into that game, and so it is definitely uh, one of my, if not my favorite game. I I would die for an Endless Ocean three. Um, <laughs> like that is I I have occasionally searched to see if by chance there's a rumor of it, and there has not been in recent years, and makes Dang. me sad. That's that's it's, very it's, unfortunate. It's a quality game. If you're ever looking for a Wii-era game, I would definitely check out Endless Ocean 2. I highly recommend I've it. I've never even heard of it before I saw that it was your favorite game, so I was interested. Yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a lot of fun. It's just exploring the ocean, meeting some fish, finding some treasures, and a bad storyline. And then collecting a star at the end, right? Yeah, definitely. Once you once you touch the right four treasures. No one no one can disprove me there. They'd have to go through and <laughs> They'd have to actually themselves. play the game. Yeah, so... Okay. Um, Next trivia question. Which was a better instrument to play, trumpet or steel drum? Okay, that one's easy. Steel drums. I hate trumpet. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that was that was gonna be an easy so, one. My high school had a very famous, very well known um, steel drum band. Hmm. Um, in fact, even by saying this, I'm sure someone could figure out what what uh, high school I was at. Um, huh. be, it was, uh, you know, like we started it in the early '90s, and they they did a lot of touring and things like that oh, wow. with, with the steel drums. Um, they were the first steel drum band to be in the Rose Bowl parade, which is a really, really yeah, big that's, that's parade. Yeah, that's big. So they were the first steel drum band to, to be featured in an event like that. Um, traveled and performed at different concert halls and with different, like, small-term celebrities. Um, and so growing up, I was always wanting to be in it because it seemed so cool and it seemed like so much fun. And it, it was. It, it Playing steel drums was one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life. Oh, wow. Um, and so playing trumpet, being in the normal band and playing trumpet was a requirement. Really? To do steel drums. Oh, you had to, to be in the bass drums. band. Yeah. Because they had so many people who wanted to do steel drums because they were so well known huh. that they had to narrow it down somewhere. And so requiring you to be in band is a natural um, yeah. prerequisite so he doesn't have to you know, teach you how to read music and things like that. Hmm. Um, so I ended up becoming drum major and then I... Oh, wow. Uh, didn't have to play trumpet for at least marching band at my high school. Um, you got managed to get out of that. Was it yeah. worth it? Oh, totally worth it. I love being drum major. Um, hmm. It was a lot of fun. I made some really good friends. Dang. So, definitely steel drums. Easy. Easy. Yeah, I kind of figured. I mean, one of them was like, dang, steel drums. The other one's like, oh, it's just trumpet. Yeah. I also sound a lot better on steel drums than I do on trumpet. There's also a recording of me out there really? uh, playing a long solo on it. Um, I would probably 
need to just like rip the audio from it or something because it has my name and my high school. Yeah, obviously, obviously. Full long video of me, but um, maybe I can try and get that. That would be interesting, um, I think. So people could listen, yeah. You should send that to Stick. He can put this on right after this. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, people can have a reference to it. Um. So, so that yeah, was that. it definitely still does. Steel Drums is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I've heard. Have not played them myself, but you know, I've they're they're pretty cool. Yeah, it's a cool instrument. Definitely. Let's see. Uh, here we go. We're getting down to the final couple of questions. Here we are, an hour and twenty minutes into this hour-long podcast. I don't know if I had enough questions. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I think we've done fine on on keeping it full. Maybe I don't know. We'll have, we the might have to do another one tomorrow. We can always cut this down. Yeah, we'll do another one tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay, this is the final regular question. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you really wanted me to, and what would that be? Hmm. Anything that you were really prepared for? You've hit a lot of it. Um, I... the. Like most of the projects that I have been the most involved with, being randomizer, decomp, um, Wikipedia, you've touched upon. The only one that we didn't really end up touching upon was task comp, but even then, my contribution to task comp was primarily getting GSA involved with the task comp community. Oh yeah, um, that's but I don't true. have any questions. I don't have any questions about it. It was just something that happened, and getting to meet the GSA people who run GSA, which is an absolutely great community or a great thing for the community. Um, and I was very excited to bring TAS into that with how, how we could. Um, and they do TAS Tuesdays or something now, too, which is Yeah, they just really play cool. TASs all Tuesday. It's pretty great. So um, in terms of a speedrunning TASing connection, besides Wikipedia, that's probably the biggest thing I've done. And I've met a lot of people through that, which is which has been a blast. Um, but I don't really have a question about that. That's just me talking about something else I've done, I guess. Well, yeah. That question, um, the question basically, is there anything you want to talk about that I didn't ask? That that would be the only thing that sticks out to me is like you know this is something else I did that I'm I'm fairly proud of you know like yeah because um, that was that was big that really grew the task comp a lot yeah even if we didn't end up it stunk it was only for for around a year but uh, mm-hmm. by the point it, it was it was difficult to keep a lot of um, people not to be burnt out and yeah. keep doing it during school and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great, though, because a lot of people got a chance to see and understand what Task Comp is through that and certainly opened up Yeah, of course. Um, the viewership of the event. Yeah. I mean, it was it used to be on my channel, and it was getting, like, 100, and then we moved channels, and it was getting, like, dang, it's getting, like, 1,000. That's pretty good. Yeah. There's just, just, just a big audience for it. And I think it makes sense, too, because it, it supports GSA. It gives them something to put out there, and, yeah. you know, it gives us that audience to, to really put the task op out where it should be yeah all right so that was that was a good final question but now we are on to the final actual final section of this podcast this interview and that is the patreon questions Patreon questions. we have right. three of them today and i want you to go super in-depth on all of them okay so the first one is from blue Piero. this is a little out there the question is if circles 
circles were outlawed in your country, how would you deal with life without circles? <sighs> okay. Um, I'd be very disappointed if that law came into place. Um, circles play a prominent role in my life. <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, I think if I knew it was coming up, I'd uh, probably try and leave. Sir. I'd probably try and emigrate from my country because if they're to the point of creating laws about circles i probably don't want to be in the country anymore there's probably a lot of other things that they've gotten strict on um That's however funny. if if i am forced to be in the country and the law is passed i become very concerned about my eyes oh no those um, are spheres you'd be fine they're spheres but depends on the, the direction you look at them from i mean like my pupil's a circle oh no yeah you're right um and so I'd probably close my eyes and just try and I assume there'd be mandatory eye removals, which would be awful. Oh, um, and so I'd probably just close my eyes and still do my best to leave the country. Um, because I still don't want to be in a country that would be limiting things like that. Assumedly, this is not a good place if they're now at the point of removing eyeballs. Yeah, I like, couldn't get what, along with that. Why did they pass this law? Circles are very important. Um, although I figure... After the law's been in place long enough, I could probably reopen my eyes because everyone won't have them anymore, and then I'll, I'll be good if I've, if I've waited fair. long enough. Yeah, they won't be um, able to tell. And they can't use cameras because those all have circular lenses. That's true, yeah. Um, so that's that's my mind on that. Um, there you go. That was, I think that was Hopefully that answer. world never happens. Hopefully. You know, you never know. It, it might. Yeah, I can't rule it out, <laughs> I guess, technically. That's true. Okay. Next one. This run is from Macropay. Uh, no, actually. Let's do Bad Boots one first. That Macropay okay. is a good one to finish the podcast on. Here's one from the one and only Bad Boot. Legendary. Legendary Bad Boot. How did you cycly, cycly, physically, cycly, wow, that is, wow. How did you <laughs> physically and psychologically, that's where I got it from. I mis- mixed up those two words. Psychologically prepare for Beating Secret Aquarium in one IRL breath challenge. <sighs> okay, so so for anyone who doesn't know, that was my first video I ever uploaded related to Mario 64 content. I don't have many. It's like one of like four. Yeah. Um, and someone put on, I think it was Ethan White, put on the Wikipedia Impossible Single Goal Challenges, beating Secret Aquarium in one breath, and I was like, this has to be possible. This seems abundantly easy. <laughs> um... And so I was like, well, I'll just do it and get it off the list. It's still up there. They have it in, like, a bottom section of ones that have been completed. <laughs> that wasn't my intention. My intention was just to, get to it finish out of it there. and say yeah. it's been done. Um, and so there actually was a little bit of prep, unironically. Okay. Um, How did, what did that so involve? I, I learned from one of my friends who was at the Air Force Acad- the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado, um, there's a trick in terms of being able to hold your breath longer. He used it for some of his swimming um, requirements he had to do for some of his op training. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you hyperventilate prior to holding your breath, you'll actually um, put an excess of oxygen into your blood. It's normally an issue. That's why you don't want to hyperventilate is you're bringing in too much oxygen. Mm-hmm. But whenever you're going to be holding your breath, you can hold your breath for a little bit longer if you hyperventilate before. So if you actually huh. watch the video, I am hyperventilating i'm breathing really hard for a few seconds before i start so that i um can hold your breath as long i can hold my breath longer 
Yeah, someone actually gave me a hard time about it. They're like, I think you prepared too much for that. And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't know. It was, it was actually part of it. Um, so Because the video is only uh, like a minute and 20 seconds long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I probably could have made it. I didn't know how long it was going to take. It was like my second try. I did it like one time just to like see if I could do it on keyboard with one hand. Because <laughs> um, I had to hold my nose. Um, and so then my second time, I was like, well, I just want to make sure I'm going to not get partway through and then have to do this again because I yeah. ended up having to breathe. That's very fair. So, it was certainly possible. It was it was very much possible. I, I I remember giving a thumbs up while still holding my breath at the end of the video. <laughs> so, dang. Uh, th- that was my process for that, I guess. And you said that wasn't your best Mario sixty four thing you've ever done. No, I, really? I, I it's up there. I don't I don't know if probably I top five, but <laughs> doing an impossible uh, challenge. Come on. Yeah, it was impossible. <laughs> impossible holding your breath. In Secret Aquarium. <laughs> And it's um, actually not that hard. Yeah, I, I actually thought about following it up for a little bit. I considered trying to beat the game holding my breath in tunnels underwater. Someone had suggested it. No. Which would be a challenge in Dire Dire Docks, I feel like. Well, no, you could just get to the... The only... I guess it would be a little hard in Dire Dire Docks, but I don't think it'd be super hard. Because you could always just come up for there. You could just do Mario. That's true. That's true. Maybe Jolly Roger Bay in the ship. Oh, yeah, Maybe. Depending on how fast you can swim, that might be hard. Next video yeah. idea? Question mark? Yeah. If I have time, maybe. We'll see. It's, it's, it's on the docket. Anyone out there who was in, so engrossed by my first video, or so encaps, uh, encaps- whatever. I, I have a word in mind, I can't say it. <laughs> engrossed. Anyone who became so obsessed with my first video that they, they're waiting for that sequel, you know, maybe you can hope one day that the sequel will come out. Maybe. We'll finally get to see that hyperventilation at the beginning again. Yeah, over and over again throughout the run. <laughs> okay, and now here we go. Here's the last question that I have written down right now. This one is from Macrofe. Um This one is a, a decomp question. Um, okay. We talked about... Let me give a slight bit of backstory. We talked about decomp in terms of other games and how this Mario 64 is kind of like the biggest one that's like of this scale. The question yeah. is, do you think ongoing decomp efforts for other games, for example, Ocarina of Time, will yield the same sort of results that the SM64 decomp has? Um, so that's a really good question. Um, I think certainly. So, excuse me, SM64 is certainly the largest one that's been completed, but it is not the largest in scope, which is part of the issue of some of the other games. Mario 64 is probably one of the smallest ones you can get of that generation yeah. in terms of trying to decomp them, because it was so early on in, in the lifespan. Um, the speed that Ocarina of Time right now has in its uh, decompilation processes is crazy. Um, it takes a long time for these to catch and get the support they need, mm-hmm. because there is such a learning curve. The beginning stages of setting up a decomp is so difficult. Once you have it set up... You just need people. You need people um, that you need, are able to help, yeah. Yeah, you need people to just try decompiling different things. It takes time, it takes effort, but if you can code and you're willing to learn, chances are you can decompile. Um, so the decompi- decompilation stage is difficult, but it's not impossible to overcome. The, the, those initial stages are just so difficult to actually set it up, find the right compiler, mm-hmm. um, you know, get the initial extraction rate. Um, Ocarina of Time is finally past that. It took them a while, 
but they are past it and they are making fast developments um, for both Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. Um, now, do I ever think that the project will be 100% matching, like to the degree that Mario 64 is? Probably not. Yeah. There are some very, very long functions that are written so poorly, it's not even funny <laughs> with how long they are. Oh, no. Uh, just, just whole systems that are in a singular function. Uh. Uh, like their their text system in Majora's Mask is like four thousand lines. Oh my god! Uh, in one function, um, so the, normally you do it on a per function basis because that's how the IDO compiler optimizes. Mm-hmm. It's, it optimizes and generates per function. But when it's four thousand lines, something you did at the very beginning could affect the very last line of code. You don't know, Ugh. and so there becomes so many possibilities of things like that. So I don't think they'll ever have 100% matching. It's, it's, it's not impossible. Someone could come up with really good automation tools that could maybe try so many options and eventually find something, or mm-hmm. they do different comparisons between different versions of the games and narrow down the code possibilities. But um, I think the end goal of hoping to have something equivalent where you can make really deep ROM hack is certainly possible. Oh yeah. Cause and, you don't, if you're on a ROM hack, you don't need the, actual matching compiled source you just need something that'll get you pretty close that'll run on the n64 that's true and like um randomizer built in is really only possible to the degree in my mind anyways because of decomp it would be very difficult to do oh yeah uh, purely in assembly um although there is an assembly um randomizer made by uh andre which is um, crazy. How do how do yeah. people code in assembly? I don't get it. I don't I don't know. So I, I think that at some point you could see that and you could maybe even see the randomizer not gonna time no longer be generator. It could be like maybe built in. Um I certainly think anyways. So I think there's there's real possibilities of seeing very good things coming out of that. Ocarina of Time is the one that sticks out, but uh recently Rareware uh mm-hmm. games like um Perfect Dark yeah, yeah. and Double O Seven um have been uh put out there and there's some other ones behind the scenes that have certainly been having progress i've seen some paper mario progress recently you know who knows if it'll actually get to a point where it's being published or whatever else but um i certainly think these other games would would benefit benefit from it just as much as sm64 has yeah and i think that once they get off the ground there is certainly a good possibility that um other games could see the same type of revolution Mm -hmm. that mario 64 has and not just even in rom hacking just in terms of like glitches and stuff too like yeah if i recall correctly wasn't srm found through some kind of like decompilation effort Um, in ocarina of time is is that the text storage no srm it's the one where they basically it's kind of like cloning yeah so i don't i can't comment on that i can't comment one way or the other i'm not sure i do know that um the decomp and uh, a tool made for decomp, made by uh, Quate and Simon Lindholm, um, it's it, like an automatic decompiler, was used um, to decompile some of the longest functions for their recent text, hmm. like Ace that came out, the Ace stuff. Um, oh, wow, so that's so, really just been helpful directly towards the speedrun. Yeah, it, it, it played a role in that through Mr. Cheese. Um Shout it wasn't, yeah. Shout out to Mr. Cheese, and Quaid and Simon. And, of course, yeah. You know, anyone everyone, else everyone yeah. involved. Um, and so, I, uh, I, it, it helps in that way. That that is one of the nicest things about decomp is just having it, like on hand. You can just immediately look at it 
and it's there for you to use. It, it helps a lot in that kind of glitch hunting. Um, yeah, a lot easier. It certainly to, helped for Mario 64. Definitely a lot easier to say, hey, this code is a little weird, than say, hey, let's look at the game and just see if Mario does something different, if I press different buttons. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really hope we keep seeing that. I hope it keeps growing for the communities because I, I certainly would love that. I certainly love to see Donkey Kong 64 do come up. Oh, man, that would... Imagine Donkey Kong 64 with, like, less lag. Less lag. <laughs> Actually, like, functioning game. You could fix bugs. <laughs> ROM hacks for the game are, like, super difficult right now just because of how... Yeah, they actually just made their, like, very first ROM hack of it, yeah. which is tag... Um, and it took Berlin. years. It took them so long to do it because it's so hard to do stuff in just pure assembly. Yeah. So, you know, if you if you had a decomp, that would open it up. Now, I don't know if there's a community for that, but... I certainly think it's possible, and I certainly look forward to seeing more games get that kind of focus. Yeah, I do too. Alright, so that appears to be the first episode, the inaugural episode, first full episode, I should say, of the Yukiki uh, Cast podcast hosted by Yukikipedia. Thank you so much to our interviewee, uh, Josh Duman, for helping me make this last hour and a half a pretty great time, I think, for everybody. Um, I've been the, your host, one ted fifty nine. Um, thank you all for watching. Say bye, Josh. Yes. Thank you, guys. Uh, it was great being on, and I'm, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I hope everyone watching will enjoy it too. In the meantime, I will see you guys next time. Thanks for watching, and peace out. Bye bye. See ya.